Welcome to the Key of Life podcast, a show where we explore the limitless creative potential that exists within our human life, from birth to death, ancestry, and everything in between. Every human holds a key that opens a door of possibility to create, sustain, and transform within ourselves and with others. When we share our keys, we create deeper access to the keys within ourselves and open the doors of remembrance within others. I'm your gatekeeper and guide, Nanadua L. Key Hogg. Let's open the door together. Hello and welcome to the Key of Life podcast. Today we have a very special sister in my life, Reem Habash, who I consider as like one of my closest friends and mentors. She has completely like revolutionized my brain in terms of connecting to my body, the way the systems in my body work, and reading into what my body is saying to me. She is an osteopath. She is a mother of two amazing children who I love very much. She is a free birth mama. She is a wife to an awesome husband. (laughs) She's amazing. But yeah, welcome, Reem. I can go on and on and on, (laughs) like complimenting you and describing you. But I would love to hear from you how you're doing and who you are. Let the people know. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Um, Yeah, I mean, well, we have a lot of history and I feel super grateful to have you in my life. And it's such a pleasure to be here. And um, thank you for inviting me and and being willing to have this conversation that is kind of challenging at times because well it's obviously very important to have this conversation to really understand the body and and how we communicate with the body and I think um you know the past few years have shown us how important it is for us to get super connected with ourselves and to be kind of that person of authority um in our own life so yeah just a little bit about me and I think you did a great introduction for me. <laughs> Thank you. Um, my name's Reem. I am currently living in Mexico, but uh, we moved here from Canada a little bit over a year ago. We had the chance to free birth our son here, which has been a phenomenal experience to free birth in a foreign country and just kind of really take on that role of like being the authority of our health and stepping into sovereignty in that realm. So my husband and I are both osteopathic manual practitioners trained in Canada. We're both registered massage therapists. So that brings a completely different level of a dynamic in our marriage, in our relationship, because we work in the same field. So there's a huge advantage to that because we get to understand each other on a multidimensional perspective, spiritually, physically, as well as having what feels like almost like a sixth sense is osteopathy. So um, I'm really excited to dig more into that. And I'm also a flower essences practitioner. I advocate for um, postpartum support. I'm trained with innate postpartum certification as well. And yeah, probably my pride and joy is just being a mom to my two littles and helping women realize like the power that they have within themselves. Yes, yes. Totally on board with all of that. And helping women to discover and reclaim the power that already exists within themselves. And on that note, um, let's dig into the osteopathy being a sixth sense discussion that you like sparkled into that. I'd love to hear more about that. And yeah, what osteopathy 
is because a lot of people don't know what it is. And I feel like you gave me because like originally when I'd met Reem like and she's like, yeah, I'm an osteopath. Like, do you want to like have a treatment? Whatever. I'm like, what is this? (laughs) And she broke it down for me so beautifully. What she said was because I was thinking it was something like a chiropractor. What she said to me was what chiropractors do versus what osteopaths do is like the equivalent to a chiropractor is slamming the door or as an osteopath is touching the door to allow it to close by itself. And as soon as she told me that, I was like, oh, this is like next level. Like this is the best. So give us your perspective on what osteopathy is and why you believe it's um, it's a sixth sense. Yeah, so... Such a great question, and I'm just going to say that if you ask 10 osteopaths, you're probably going to get 10 different answers because it's all about how we learn to engage in dialogue with the body. And so I think dialogue is going to be a huge theme in today's conversation because it is a conversation. It's not just, you know, over 2,500 techniques that we learn to apply to the body. It's like learning how to communicate and listen because the body is always having this conversation with you. It's giving you those signals. It's giving you information. You just have to be present, grounded, centered, and balanced, and willing to hear what it's saying to you. So really, it's it's the question of my career, actually, is like, what is osteopathy? Because <laughs> I'm constantly learning and unlearning and relearning what it is. I'd like to say that osteopathy is a blend between an art and a science. You know, there is a huge component of it that is like scientific, of course, and in the real type of science that we understand the body. Um, And then there's this artistry. So that's how when you ask a different practitioner, when you go to different people and you receive treatment, they're all going to approach the body slightly differently because that's where we get to be creative and express. Mm. But um, I would go back and say that osteopathy focuses on a few different things with within when we're doing that kind of treatment, right? So in level one, the protocol, we're looking at the myofascial structure. So we're looking at the bones, the joints, the ligaments, the tendons, the musculature, okay? So that's a pretty like physiological perspective. In protocol two, we're going to be addressing more of the fluidic body. The fluidic body could mean including the fascia, of course, but the cerebral spinal fluid. So like craniosacral is included within that, the lymphatic system, and of course, circulation. If you really wanted to boil osteopathy down to like the core, it always goes back to circulation because what happens is that we have some sort of restriction within the body and that restriction can become like an adhesion where like the tissue becomes really sticky and stuck together but it could also be in a separation lesion as well but what ends up happening because of that kind of adhesive quality is that that begins to interfere on clean blood coming to the area or dirty blood leaving so it always reflects back to circulation because That is what true nutrition is. When we think about nutrition, nutrition is actually 
clean blood coming to an area to give the nutrients to the cells and then that blood leaving as well. And so when we don't have nutrition, that's when things begin to necrose or die. Mm. Okay. So the fluidic body would be protocol two. And then protocol three focuses more on the energetics as well. So when we're treating, we're thinking, including the electromagnetic field, including the life field. So osteopathy is one of the few modalities that can also do manipulations on the organs. So we can mobilize the uterus, we can mobilize the liver, the spleen, the lungs. So it's really this full body perspective. And that's why it's so unique because we focus on these four pillars of osteopathy, which the first being is that your body is a function as a whole, Mm -hmm. you know, all parts are working together, moving together to function together. And it requires all parts to have that kind of mobility. It's an inherent mobility. There's mobility that you can induce, but your body needs to work together overall. And Mm -hmm. I think what's been a really unfortunate in society is we get these like specialists who isolate your foot and say, you know, your foot is separate from the leg, which is separate from the hip, which is separate from the abdomen, or even like, let's say even gynecology, you know, Mm -hmm. how can we separate the womb, like on an energetic level, but also a physiological level and say that's separate from any other part of the body. It's not. (laughs) Our bodies are a whole mechanism, like a whole system. That's why it's called like a body system. Like, because I have like a biology background when you're learning about like, oh, how things are broken down as like cell and then it's a tissue and then it's an organ and then it's a system. Yeah, you can break it down, but ultimately all of these together are creating one huge ecosystem that is your body. And if you think about how ecosystems work on the planet, when one part of the ecosystem is thrown off, it's not just that one part of the ecosystem that is like affected. It's the entire ecosystem that then changes. And I love that you're pointing out how osteopathy really can address and touch all parts, your body as a whole, because that's how it works. Like that's how it works in nature. Like no one thing doesn't affect another thing like everything affects everything and everything moves and oscillates as like a a unison in that sense exactly so like through this type of manual therapy like we're observing that expansion and retraction of the body and it's actually what's really unique about it is that you can correct something directly or indirectly and what's even more special is that the that transmission really happens in what's called a still point. So let's say I'm, you know, doing a manipulation or a, like addressing a structure within the body, right? And what I'm going to do is I put my hands on the body. Let's say we're working on the liver, for example, and we put our hands there we do the assessment, we discover where it's there's restriction or tension or it's in a position that's not optimal for vitality, okay? And the first thing that happens is like there's a balancing. There, there's like a balancing because now you as the osteo are putting your hands on the patient and 
their body is using you as a fulcrum. Wow. To, to now see, okay, where am I in space? Okay. I didn't realize I was over here. Okay. So this balance point comes in for the body to start to balance. Mm-hmm. And then there's what's called a still point. So all of that like movement, all of it goes silent. And that's where the magic really happens. And so the osteopath gets to be the observer. You know, we never really heal anybody. It's your body is doing it. And that's because like it was created by our creator to do so. And so it just starts to, you know, sit in this stillness and the still point can last even up to two or even five minutes. You don't know. And Mm -hmm. you're just having to be patient there, waiting, allowing, supporting, and then you'll feel like this build of pressure, build of pressure, and then and you feel the vitality rushing back through the individual. You feel the fluid, you feel the pumping. And it's like, you're sitting there and you're like, I'm literally witnessing magic happening in my hands. Mm -hmm. And it's so pure and just really powerful. Wow. That sounds absolutely amazing. And I want to transition it into... Because you mentioned being a fulcrum for this person who you're treating and that's presencing two things like how important it is that we as humans like collaborate in healing. It doesn't have to be a one person job, you know, like and it oftentimes works better as a unit. And I I know you speak a lot about like union and stuff too and now I'm really seeing through this conversation how the osteo and the union connect in that sense. Which is really funny because it's so bizarre when I think about one of my creations was this program, Divine Union, which was a collaborative event. I won't take full credit as all on my <laughs> shoulders, but it was. But the essence of it was that how necessary it is to be fully integrated, right? Mm-hmm. Because all like you know, these pillars of osteopathy of like everything's working together. And that's part of it is that the healing happens through the witnessing, right? The healing happens um, because sometimes we're a little bit veered off course and we don't even realize where we are until we have like, like a center to kind of like, like fall back on and to have that, oh, okay, wait, I didn't, I'm way to the right. Oh, I actually should be to the left. And it's just by kind of like that little nudge. It doesn't have to be this like aggressive, like, oh, you have to change. Actually, it's like we're when we're dialoguing with the tissue, going back to that sixth sense, it's saying, oh, you can go there, but you could also come over here. And then the tissue kind of is like wakes up. Oh, okay. I could I could live and exist over here, too. And then kind of on its own is able to do that. So really believing in the power of like innate healing, that's mm-hmm. really, really powerful. Yeah, 100%. And I just want to bring the conversation into like palpation because I know that's something that you've taught me through Pelvic Redemption, which is another program that Room does that guides women through, you know, connecting with their pelvis and like the structures of their, their yoni and, and all that stuff. But part of it really is that like the touch and like feeling into that fulcrum, that center point. 
And I'm really curious to know how you would describe how to do this for people who are just hearing about palpation and osteo and whatever. What is this center point and how do we access that when we're touching our own bodies or even like working on other people's bodies? Sure. So, you know, let's just let's walk through something together right now. You know, you can just place your arm on like the table in front of you and um, kind of rest your arm so it's kind of relaxed and you can take your dominant hand and just like place your dominant hand over the forearm of your relaxed hand okay Mm -hmm. and give it a squeeze and then back off now when you squeeze your hand can you really feel what's going on in your forearm not really because you're contracting your hand yeah so when you relax your dominant hand over your forearm, what happens is, is you begin to allow the information to come into your hand. Wow. But your hand has to be relaxed. So right now, maybe you think your hand is relaxed. <laughs> yeah. But I want you to back off even more. So like, let's say your hand is like a five out of 10. Mm-hmm. I want you to bring it from a five to a four. And then from a four to a three, maybe now you feel a little bit more relaxed. Go from a three to a one. What you begin to realize is the less pressure that you put, the more presence that you have. Mm. And it almost becomes like you're magnetizing to the structure because you begin to envision the structure. You begin to know what the structure is. It's starting to communicate to you. It's starting to come into your hand. It's starting Mm -hmm. to show you where the tension is, where the density is. And then you can play. Then you can play. You can kind of slide your dominant hand towards the elbow, but using that one out of 10 pressure. Because now you're just present. Mm -hmm. And so that is like the beginning steps of understanding palpation. Because now we can do that virtually anywhere on the body we can encounter the heart we can encounter the ovaries and what those structures do is they begin to reveal to you their inherent motion how they move Mm. where they are in space what they're connected to if there's a scar that can be pulling on something and then that becomes apparent to you because you're no longer focusing on putting pressure into the body, but you're allowing the body to show you what's here and what's present, what's really alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even through just doing that, I'm like really getting present to really meeting your body, like really meeting your body, <laughs> like literally meeting it and allowing it to meet you. There, there becomes this like communication that happens it's like this state of receptivity on both ends that allows the communication and the message to come through even more clearly which is like and to to like preface this like I've definitely done palpation with Bream before and just like reintroducing myself to that is like I'm becoming even more present to what it actually is which is like great for me and for y'all, but 
I think what's what's really fascinating about it is like it's this like constant learning you know whether you're five years out of school or 20 years out of school it's like your practice continues and you can get to like learn and experience and your patients really teach you right like your clients are the one that are you're you're the one who's lucky because you're getting to do this work with others Mm -hmm. and um yeah so I mean even for people who aren't osteopaths or like any anyone that works with with women or like in healthcare or um is really passionate about like medical sovereignty I feel like this is kind of been the missing piece in like really us understanding this innate healing of the body right because we've been so focused on treating symptoms Mm -hmm. that we have forgotten how to like look for the root. What is the root cause of what's happening? You know, even Mm -hmm. now there's this, this really interesting thing happening online. You know, I just want to name what's going on with homeopathy, you know, and everyone's saying like, Oh, I have these symptoms. I'm going to look for the remedy that is going to satisfy you know, fixing this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, is that, is that the essence of the medicine? Is that really what the intention? Actually, there is a, um, a lineage of homeopathy that what they do is they study the full body and they study the past medical history and all of the emotional complexes that come up with it. And based on all of the information, they then provide one, one remedy for one individual. And, you know, what's really beautiful about homeopathy is that if you prescribe, which I, I don't even encourage using that word, but if you offer one a remedy and that's not the right one, it'll do nothing in the body. So that that's great in a sense. But to, to make effective change, they require one specific remedy for the individual because everything else will do nothing. So using that principle it's very similar to osteopathy because I can do 20 or 30 techniques on you, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be probably like one or two specific techniques that are going to unlock because the purpose of the osteopath is to play detective. We're looking at, okay, who is the culprit here that's keeping this body presenting in the way that it is? And they're helping you to play detective, right? Yeah. And I love that you mentioned the one remedy for like one specific person. And we talked about it a little bit earlier too, is that everyone's body is completely unique. And this is why I love like the work that you do with osteopathy and creating that communication, because when you allow for that communication to occur, it's you aren't painting a picture of this person's body as like something like someone else's body it's really approaching and meeting that person's body as the unique body that it is because there's only one of their body (laughs) even if they're a twin like there's only one of their body in the state that their body is in and that's so incredibly important and like so specifically tailored as a treatment as an experience for that person And to bring it back to like the palpation stuff and this being the missing link, 
that's making me think of how touch is the original healing mechanism, literally. Like if you think of when women have their children, how immediately they bring their baby to their chest, like touch, you know, before even like discovering what different herbs are, there is touch, like there's interacting with like, there's even touch with the herb before you even consume it, you know? Touch is such an important <laughs> an important part of healing, an important part of like self-discovery and discovering the world. Like and in communicating with yourself and, and with others, you know, like well wh- well what's ironic about it is like you go to a doctor. Mm-hmm. And they assess you without ever touching you sometimes. Yeah. Or they prescribe you a medication without ever putting their hands on you. And that to me just feels a little bit backwards. And there is, there is a place for allopathic medicine in the world. There is, you know, definitely a place for it. But it's, is that part of healthcare? Is that part of preventative care? Because we all know that healthcare is actually sick care and it's in the work of intervention, you know? Yep. And that's where the work of allopathic medicine primarily lies. It's when, when something is wrong, when there is an emergency or there has to be an uh, intervention that's immediately required, it serves its purpose. But we need to rewire our brains to really understand that we need to be in the work of prevention. An ounce of prevention is worth a ton of cure. It it only takes a little bit to prevent the body from degrading in a way that we're gonna be really suffering chronically for many years. And I think that's when I say it's the missing link, it's because we're still operating in a place of, oh, I have these problems, so I need this to fix it. Mm-hmm. Instead of looking at, okay, like, let me share. There's four really important principles. And when you understand these principles of osteopathy, it gives you this basic understanding that allows you to take a step back and see the bigger picture of health. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned already that the body is a functional unit. That yeah. means all parts are working together, moving together. Mm-hmm. We talked about the circulation. So the rule of the artery is absolute. Circulation is required for the body to function. Okay? We, we, need, we need blood. It's, it's a requirement. Yeah. Can't, can't avoid it. Literally. <laughs> the third pillar means is, is structure governs function. So your anatomy will govern your physiology. So, for example, like your hip is in a ball and socket joint, which allows you to be able to move your leg in all the directions. Now compare it to the knee. The knee is not a ball and socket joint, and that's why it can only move in the certain planes, right? Yeah. So when we think, okay, the way that my anatomy is set up, that will determine how I move physiologically, okay? And that includes the organs and and everything else. So now we have the body is a functional unit. The rule of the artery is absolute. Structure governs function. And the fourth one will be 
the rule of autoregulation, which is that your body is doing everything it can at every moment in time to keep you alive. Yep. What does that mean? That means that your acid reflux or your PCOS is a protective mechanism that your body is doing to keep you alive. When you try to treat the acid reflux or when you try to treat the PCOS, you're treating a symptom. You're not treating the root cause. So what is happening in the body that is allowing it to present this symptom that now you can use as information so you can tackle what the root cause is, which it might be a fascial restriction or it might be not enough blood flow because the circulation is cut because of X, Y, Z. So this is when you look at the principles, it rewires your brain and you begin to see health in a new way. And instead of looking for what's wrong, instead of looking for dis-ease, you're looking for health. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And in that looking for health, because there's a lot of like shame attached to like, oh, my body's doing X, Y, Z thing. I don't know what's wrong with me, blah, 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 blah. I feel like this allows people to give themselves more grace in that, no, your body is functioning exactly as it's supposed to function and keeping you alive. And that is a miracle in and of itself. So then approaching this symptom as like, my body is trying to tell me something right now. Where, like, what is it trying to tell me? And I think it, does it go back to like that, like finding that fulcrum point or like, what would then be like the step of like, okay, my body's doing this. What is that telling me now? Well, this is like a really interesting thing because I would say that, you know, everyone's really passionate about learning what's the emotional thing happening behind the physiological manifestation, which a lot of the times I do agree um, even if you if you look into flower essences, if you look into German new medicine, you know that there is an emotional complex that happens and usually that is present and then later the physiological manifestation occurs. Mm -hmm. But also I just have to like bring attention to this conversation of what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Yeah. Because sometimes it is purely physiological and that that you can't just wish away your emotional pain you can't just okay if I just if I just work on the emotional part then you know my hip is going to realign I mean sometimes the body requires a physio uh, excuse me a physiological adjustment and that's that's like also a normal thing too so yeah I feel like there is space for all of it there is space for us to kind of see that your body sometimes will need something that's you to address the emotional implication. Sometimes it's a spiritual implication. Sometimes it's a physiological impl implication based on the different levels and protocols within the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. And it really goes to show that, again, like everything impacts everything. And sometimes what you believe is impacting you isn't like the root cause of like like the source of that true impact like it's covering something that's like really happening behind that that covering if that makes any sense well it does because 
you know, I'm always been really passionate about and I, I, you know, was working on my thesis for that is really understanding what is the intergenerational stuff that we carry as well. Because what I began to notice is that when we were treating mothers, then the, the infants are receiving treatment. And actually, it goes back to this the topic of union as well, is that you're treating the whole family unit. Yeah. When a father receives treatment, the infant receives treatment. Or when the mother receives treatment, the child receives treatment. And it actually plays a role on the whole mechanism of the family. And it's like without a doubt, like we've all seen that meme of, you know, and you were present in your grandmother's body, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. but it's so true in a sense when we speak about it from like a physiological and spiritual perspective, because whatever is happening, even Dr. Gabor Mate talks about how the intense emotions that your mother feels in her pregnancy and postpartum period, like you will potentially receive that or not just potentially, but very likely receive all of that stress and, and stress isn't just bad there's good and bad stressors and that's going to play a role in your physiology that's going to play a role in your genetic makeup and how you evolve as an individual yeah it definitely is and it it shows it shows up in ways that you might not even expect for example I had this conversation with another woman who I was doing a presentation on ancestral connection with is that you might th be thinking like, oh, I'm doing all the right things with my health. Why is this one thing coming up for me? Like, why am I still having like heart palpitations and whatever? There is an epigenetic connection between like you and your ancestors that is occurring based off of like what you're being stimulated by in your life that's triggering that. And it's a matter of what is that experience that was happening and what can we do to then like adjust that and orient that back to that, that space where that space of like that center point space, the space where we're, where our bodies are in homeostasis and, and like our bloodline is then transformed as this point of homeostasis rather than this continuous stimuli and trigger to then create that that process in the body that's making you feel that way that symptom exactly I would say it's such a fascinating study mm -hmm. because it's really becomes of a way of getting to know yourself and a way that it requires you to be more present because it requires you to be like here and to fully embody. I think a lot of us sometimes are stuck in dissociative patterns, trying to escape or evade or get to a higher realm or, yeah. you know. Escaping from the body. And, and the medicine is being here. Yep. That's the real medicine. Yep. The medicine is being in your body because your body allows you access to what's really happening in your reality exactly yeah and it's such an important discussion especially when it comes to like you know only treating the symptoms you know and people are like specifically talking about like pain 
And a lot of times people approach pain from a, a, a space of like, I don't want to feel this anymore. And like, rightfully so, like you're in pain. And what is this pain telling you? And is this, this pain isn't necessarily bad or good, you know, like it's like, it's pain and it's showing you something. Exactly. Yeah, I think pain is our teacher. Mm-hmm. Pain is our friend. And, and how do you even quantify pain? Yeah. I mean, these are the questions. It's like, wow, what if I could just approach it with a little bit more curiosity? If I could be curious about it instead of angry or anxious or pushing it away, and what would that invite into my life? Because now I'm inviting it in. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, okay, tell me more. What is it that you're trying to show me? What do you want to reveal to me? And you can become to be in a dialogue with your body. The, the real root of the problem is that most of us aren't even putting our hands on ourselves. Yep. We're not putting, we're not touching our body. We're not checking in. We're not getting grounded. Mm-hmm. We're not being centered before we move. So like a simple practice of grounding yourself, making sure your feet are rooted into the ground, that you're able to source energy from the earth, centering yourself, making sure that both sides are balanced, that you're not leaning into the future, falling into the past, checking like if the energy from the right to the left matches or maybe you're you are hovering over to one side, you know, this, the concept of like, oh, okay, when people kind of sit over their left hip, but what is the implication of that? It's like your, your colon, your descending colon is coming into the left hip. Mm. Like, you know, like, what do, what do you think that's doing? It's like, are you guarding? Are you putting pressure? Are you kind of like not wanting to let something go? Like, okay come back to center okay how does that feel in your body probably a little bit unusual but these are the these are the practices that we can take with us and then what ends up happening is that when you take this seriously and you be you're like okay I'm curious I want to learn more I want to be here I want to be fully embodied the ripple effect of that is that when you meet someone else you meet them with such presence mm-hmm And because you're meeting them with presence, now you have two people meeting in presence. And that's the present, you know? Then everybody is, like, living this way. Yeah, and I I totally get now why you say having a husband that's in the same field as you that's also doing this work is, like, next level, basically. (laughs) It's, like, because you're both can recognize those like states in each other's bodies and in your own bodies and meet each other in this presence and and in in like union (laughs) basically well I think that like union is a man I maybe people make it seem easy but it's not easy because you're opening yourself to be the most vulnerable that you could possibly be in the presence of someone else. Mm -hmm. And it does require commitment. It's, it's a a muscle we have to refine. It's, 
but it's it's so rewarding so yeah. rewarding to to really allow all of the things that are really present and want to come up to come through and I think it's been such an advantage for me to really understand like my biological imperative of why you know thoughts come up in the way that they do and how to handle those and how to kind of see okay well we can so easily self-sabotage ourselves right it's it's um a practice that I'm sure most people are really familiar with. Yeah. And so, so what does it take to kind of override the system? Because really what it is, is there's programming. We're all programmed in some sort of way, but the old program is outdated. You need to get rid of that program so that way you can operate in a more conscious level. And that that's required for friendships. That's required for relationships and most definitely for marriage Mm -hmm. and it's also bringing up that it's required for communicating with your body because like as you described through the palpation like that's really what it is it's how vulnerable are you willing and committed to being with yourself in what your body is trying to tell you and are you willing to receive yourself in this this vulnerable state to fully know what's going on with you and to fully make those changes and adjust those those points in your body and like meet that root cause with like openness and receptivity to be able to transform that in yourself and create a new state of being Mm -hmm. like within you is what I'm really seeing and as like parallel for what you're describing with relationships. And this is like also bringing up how, again, and it keeps being brought up throughout all these episodes of like how relational everything on this entire planet is. Like everything is a relationship, a communication between everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, while you were talking, it brought this memory to my mind that it might it might serve somebody to share, mm-hmm. um, you know, about like a year after my daughter was born, I was experiencing this really intense pain on the left side of my body. It was like in my stomach, kind of kind of in my back. And, you know, I kept going for treatments with different practitioners and they would treat my kidneys, but it wouldn't resolve the pain or they would treat like the abdominal cavity and my hip and they just kept treating all these like different structures around the area but like it was not going away and I I had I had to get really vulnerable with myself and say well what what is here for me what is this teaching me what is this trying to show me and um eventually like I was able to you know resolve the resolve it but it was it was so interesting it was like part of my heart and part of my womb were like had this point of contention that was around like my stomach spleen area and it was like all of these restrictions just coming together and like having this like ball that just eventually had to dissolve and so it's when we think about the communication just imagining this like web this like web being uh woven together Mm -hmm. of like what are all the different you know um 
communicative parts that are involved, invested in this, that have a play in this, this yeah. unraveling that has to happen. Yeah. And I'm envisioning this web as like, you know, when you play like the telephone game and then it's like, oh, you tell one person one thing and they tell the other person the other thing. And then there's this point where like, like the, the communication gets like muddied and like mm -hmm. there's this completely different thing happening. I'm envisioning that complete change in community, like what the word actually was as this point, as this like symptom. It's like, but like mm -hmm. that's not actually what we're saying that's not actually what the body is saying the body is saying that like there is this something happening between heart and womb and there there needs to be like some sort of shifting of I don't know what eventually you ended up doing to like unravel that which I'm like really curious <laughs> to know too but like the symptom isn't necessarily what is actually happening. And I, I know this is like a repeated thing that's been said throughout this entire episode, but like I'm envisioning that web like a game of broken telephone is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, I, I like that vision too. And, and I feel like, you know, we're talking so much about the, we're talking about leading up to the how, Mm -hmm. The how is like what's really coming up. It's the what now. Yeah. The how becomes the, okay, well, what now? Okay, so now we know this information, but like what now? And my dream is really for for women to be able to use osteopathy in their own homes. Yeah. To really begin to like understand when we talk about palpation to, you know, rather than relying on experts outside of ourselves, and yeah granted you know your hands aren't trained you can't do all the things that somebody who's studied for like 30 and practiced for 30 years do but like what how do we take the power into our hands how do we mm -hmm. become the ones that it's like you know we had a scare happen with my son shortly after he was born he had um he was crying pretty intensely it was like maybe a month and a half after he was born and we laid him down on his tummy and then next thing you know, my husband goes to pick him up and um, he comes like very quietly to me. He says, Reem, look, and I see that half of his face had just turned white, almost gray. Like Whoa. Um, he had blood vessels that were broken all on the right side. And I had to do everything in my power to just like stay calm mm -hmm. and say, okay, okay. I decided, okay, we need to go to the hospital just to make sure mm -hmm. everything's okay. He, he, his whole face was like white, gray, and that's not a good sign, you know. At least blue, purple, there's some color, but white, gray is not a, not a good sign. The circulation isn't there. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so we rushed to the hospital calmly somehow, <laughs> which I was really impressed with myself. But after arriving there and they checked his vitals and – his color was now coming back and you know I, I had a, I had to like really think about what what am I doing I mean I just free birth in a foreign country we don't speak the language um I never like we gave birth literally in the jungle I never anticipated going to to a hospital but yeah you know we here we are and and they want to keep him to observe him for a few hours and charge us 2000 us and we're like looking at each other like 
there's nobody better to observe our son than us. Yep. And we signed the paperwork to get us out of there and said, no way, no way. So mm-hmm. we went home and um, dropped off our daughter at a, a friend's home. And um, me and my husband just sat there together and just got ourselves to like a calm place, centered ourselves, and we began to treat him. Mm-hmm. And the the image in my mind is like, what if this is the answer? Yeah. You know, instead of outsourcing my authority. And that was kind of like why we moved to Mexico. It was kind of like, okay, we need to be the ones. I had such a great team of practitioners back in Canada. And I was outsourcing to them and just saying, oh, I need your support. And it's like, it's time for me to be that person. Time for my husband to step up and be that person. And, you know, it was so crazy because when we got centered and treated him, we realized that his right rib was high. And the thing is, the broken blood vessels were only on the right side of the face up to the chin. Wow. And so his face had been turned to the right. His right rib was high. And what most people aren't aware of is that uh, just the right side of the face and the right arm have a different drainage passageway than the rest of the body, than the other three quarters of the body. And so with his rib being high, with his face turned to the right, what was happening, it was preventing the circulation from flowing and and had we been able to stay calm and present in that moment of intensity Mm -hmm. maybe we could have avoided the hospital like still very grateful that we had that experience because that is what has challenged us to expand our repertoire to have the courage and the bravery to really say this is the next shift that has to happen in the world is that when I know, I know it in my body, it's like this like truth that I can't deny that when we really embody these principles that osteopathy has gifted us, that we, we are the ones that can, can be there when, when there are challenging situations that come up. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And that's amazing. It's amazing that you were able to like stay calm and present in that moment of like panic because I I I've seen it in in women, I've seen it in like my own life is this when something that is occurring to you as like an emergency situation like the fight or flight kicks in and it's like the run the like the run to the hospital you know the instead of approaching it like we've been discussing before with like okay curiosity sitting centering yourself coming into your body and just experiencing what is what is here right now like what is really here right now and obviously like fight or flight has its purpose for survival, like as does like symptoms for the survival of your body and recognizing that, okay, within that, there's still an opportunity to discover what is actually there (laughs) is what's becoming present for me in that chair. And like, wow. So and touching on on this for other mothers, 
because there's definitely there's always something that comes up with moms where something's happened like their their kid falls and you know like and this immediate going to like ah like oh my god like xyz thing is happening ah and yes valid like your maternal instincts are kicking in and what is actually occurring here mhm totally i i how would that shift how would we shift as a society is that instead of like your brain going to all of the horrible things that are about to happen which is just fear literally fear and fear can be present with us mm-hmm. here and using that curiosity to say okay i'm going to use my curiosity to dialogue i'm going to be and i'm going to communicate show me what's happening practitioners become so skilled that they don't even need their hands anymore they it's like they can see it that's how that's the refinement that you can have in your day-to-day life that's the refinement you can have not with just like practitioner patient dynamic that could be the refinement that you have in your relationships that can be the refinement that you have as a mother with your children you've seen those situations where like the kid's almost about to fall and all of a sudden the mom's senses kick in and she is somehow there catching kid it's like where does that come from it's a level of presence it's a dialogue it's a communication it all comes back to this and like what where more do you need that you know because if something bad is going to happen, it's going to happen. But you can change the way that you're engaging in the moment. Yeah. Right? And it's, it all comes back to that because we would probably catch a lot more health concerns if we were present. We would probably catch a lot more disagreements, arguments, whatever, frustrations if we were just more present. More present and... All of that communication, all of that information comes through it through our bodies, like when we are in our bodies, which is like the most amazing gift (laughs) that we've been bestowed upon as humans to receive this information through our bodies and I want to segue this into simple, and I know you mentioned one with like the getting grounded and like establishing like where you're sitting, like how you are in space, simple practices in getting into the bot, like your body. And what does that mean for you? Mm-hmm. Well, getting in my body it's it's kind of also like this connection that has to occur where i'm marriaging structures mm-hmm. i think i think for someone who's like just beginning it'll be a lot easier if we speak in specific to structure because like you can be fluid but mm-hmm. that might feel a little bit every, everybody has a, what they naturally incline to and so like throughout osteopathy i i my work is mostly with fluid body. That's just where I excel. So I have to work really hard to be like in the myofascial like structures, for example. So, so like, let's say you're just a beginner and you really want to feel like you're getting embodied. And, and I'll speak to women in particular. I, I would really focus on marriaging structures like 
your head and your heart and your womb and being able to take your intention from one to the other but then also feeling how that they connect so feeling the whether it's an energetic flow maybe you can tap into the fluid moving because what most of us don't know is like you have this like cerebral spinal fluid that's moving from the base of your cranium all the way down your spine to your sacrum so physiologically your head and your pelvis are deeply intertwined deeply connected we know that the mouth is connected through the fascial chains all the way to the womb Mm -hmm. so you you know that there's these physiological ties but can you take your intention and bring yourself out of your head and into your heart and what are the different sensations that come up when you go from your head into your heart I feel like an opening Mm -hmm. and when I shift down into my pelvis I instantly feel more grounded I feel more here and so that's a really simple practice that any any woman can do that's like really beautiful and I'm even thinking of like how how to like integrate this in like what I do in in terms of like meditation stuff I think this is like a really amazing meditative practice and like not only meditative but like body like physiological practice and really feeling into the points of connection in your your body And like what's going on there and the part where you mentioned that there's there's a there's always a part of your body that you like that you lean into more or like a state that you lead into more and I'm wondering like how does this show up in like when people are connecting with their own body like what can that possibly feel like like for you with like the the fluids like what does that experience feel like for you and your body? Can you ask me again? Yeah. So you were mentioning how different people are inclined to feel into the, their bodies in different ways, like the fluids with the myofascial, et cetera. And how can people recognize what they're most tuned into, like within their own body? And what does it feel like for you being most or like excelling in the fluids part of that. Yeah, well, when I think about when I just connect in with my body or even when I'm palpating on someone else, the fluids is very vibrant for me. It's what's most revealing to me. It's not something that I had to refine so much because it was just present for me. What I feel is expansion where there is fluid and what I feel also feel is where there's less vitality or or lower fluid and I'm focusing on when I'm in my own body is how can I bring this fluid so that it can continuously move Mm -hmm. right so it doesn't stay stagnant so it can fill up a space that may have felt empty for example if I'm talking about the right side and left side of my head In that case, I would want it to be um, closer to equal on both sides. 
right? So I want them both to feel that expansion. I want them both to feel that fluid. Whereas if I'm thinking about from my head to my pelvis, that's taking a trail of fluid, right? So the fluid will come up to the head and kind of leave the pelvis and then circulate back down and leave the head and come into the pelvis. And that's the kind of rhythmic movement that's happening within the body. And so I guess depending on which area we're talking about, I would explore a different type of sensation. So it's rhythmically going and coming or expansion and retraction. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, probably the best way that I could explain that. And I think that everyone feels slightly differently. Yeah. And so rather than being like, oh, I'm not feeling anything because it's really easy to get heady about it and say, I don't feel anything. It's like, well... You feel something. Yeah. You feel something. Just allow yourself to feel and see what, what shows up. Yeah. Working with what is already present to you, like what you can already feel <laughs> in that I don't feel anything. Like you're totally right. You're totally right. And like, yeah, you're feeling something. So like focus on what you're actually feeling you know it doesn't have to be what you expect it to be it's just being open and receptive to whatever it is that is happening and I think that's like the take-home message of all like <laughs> this this whole episode is like or one of them at least is really that that allowing yourself to like be receptive for and receive what's what's there like what's already there, what's you're already feeling to understand what the body is saying. So yeah, this has been so amazing. And yeah, always love talking with you <laughs> about whatever. <laughs> so this has been great for me. Um, and I'm sure a lot of women and a lot of people, whoever is watching or not watching, listening to this, got a lot out of it too. And thank you so, so much. Is there anything that's on your heart and mind to say that you really want to let people know or like end off with? Wow. That's, uh, I think the most important thing to remember is that we're here as a gift to experience the fullness of of life if there's anything that we've learned in the past few years is that like human connection is so important and that your body is like so like specially designed and you'll never you'll never get to the bottom of the well mm -hmm. and like to like revel in that because there's so much learning and so much medicine in that for you so like yeah just enjoy enjoy the process of of discovering of that self-discovery and if you feel that you want to dig more into osteopathy or your body you can feel free to contact me um and i also if you're looking into like learning more about the masculine feminine relational dynamics and what the biological imperative behind your the way that you are your programming is you know, that's all like within my realm of, of teaching. Mm -hmm.
Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. And I just want to say, like, present something that you said, too, is that, like, you'll never get to the bottom of the well. Like, life is, as long as you're living, like, you're constantly discovering. And it's, it really is allowing yourself to be open to that discovery and whatever it is. And also ties into everything we were saying, but I'm going to end it off here because I'll just start talking and talking and talking. So. Okay, love you so much, Reem, and thank, thank you. you so much for being here. Okay, everyone, peace. If you loved what you heard today, please let me know by giving the podcast some love in the reviews, liking, commenting, and sharing with someone you love as well. As always, too, you can connect with me on Instagram at Key of Life Birthkeeper. And with any of my guests with their information and details located in the description. Until next time, Ashe.